listen in for messages from this episode. And I feel like we need to set a boundary with that voice and catch it. I still catch it inside myself, even after all of the work I've done. It's still very strong. And I have to meet and say, "Uh uh-uh, that is not how I'm going to be with myself. I'm not going to hurt myself in that way. And this is the work of self-compassion. And to me, it is eternal. Beautiful soul, have you ever wanted to speak to angels? Do you believe angels can support you in your daily life? If this is you, go to my website homepage, theangelmedium.com and sign up for my weekly angel message email. As a gift for signing up, I'm giving you access to free resources, including 31 healing meditations that if you do daily are going to help you hear your angels and your own intuition more clearly. Start using these today and you'll see changes in 31 days. Now, take a deep breath. Feel the presence of your angels as they fill you with love, joy, peace, bliss, and ease. And remember, your angels say the messages that resonate with you in today's episode are meant just for you. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host and author, Julie Jancis. And friends, you know if you've been listening to the podcast that I have been on this journey over the last five years. Spirit has taken me through several different layers, but the one that I've been on the last six months has been really understanding somatic work. And I have read countless number of books, looked at countless numbers of teachers out there teaching right now. And the person that you're going to hear today, Natalia Rachel, is the one that I think is above and beyond the farthest like light years ahead of everyone else and what she's saying and the way that she says it and the words that just flow through her you can tell that God universe source is really working through her to create massive, massive change within this world. So she has a book out, but I know that this is a person that you're going to be seeing over the next 20 years that is going to have multiple, multiple books and a person who if you follow her on Instagram and you should be, please go over there like right now while you're listening to our conversation, go over to Instagram and follow her at Natalia underscore Rachel underscore change. And we'll put that in the show notes because every day I get these new notifications of her posts going up and everyone has a very, very profound impact on me. So Natalia, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being you. I am just so excited for this conversation. Thank you. I'm blushing listening to that introduction. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Ah, thank you. So this started for me because I've been working with clients for years and I think we totaled it up and I've done over 7,000 like one-on-one sessions. Um, I do a mix of energy healing, mediumship, working with angels, bringing through messages. And Spirit brought me to this place 
through a lot of client questions and working kind of more so coaching clients to get where they want to be. And it dawned on me for the first time, what is whole healing? What is being fully, wholly healed? And so I started to ask a lot of different guests this question and, and everybody came back to the same conclusion, which is something that I've heard you say, it's never done. We're never complete here. Talk to us a little bit about that. I think in this world, we get so set on ideals and destinations and perfection and completion. And these are the things that really block us from living in ways that are truly compassionate and authentic because we never accept ourselves if there's a destination to get to. We're never meeting ourselves and welcoming ourselves right here. So I believe when we let go of these perfections and ideals and destinations, we move into a state of grace. And that's where we can really learn to love ourselves and also welcome other people just as they are. So I think that there are these markers that we can sort of understand and reach for on our journey. But I think they're just markers as opposed to this place or promised land where everything's all, all done and wrapped up and perfect. So I think we need to learn to let go of that and rather seek to find a way of living and relating that honors and welcomes us as we are in each moment. And to me, that's what healing is all about. Yeah. Not striving for that destination, but being present, being in the here and now, just being yourself, I am, and embracing that. I think so. And it gets a little bit complicated, doesn't it? Because when we're on the healing journey, we're often trying to shift a whole amount of stuff in our life, the way that we show up, the way that we experience um, the world that we're creating. So while we want to enter this deep space of compassion uh, and self-acceptance, at the same time, we want to move into accountability um, and conscious creation. And I think because we tend to live in a pretty polarized way, It's like we can only have either or, and a huge part of this journey is allowing that complexity. I can be compassionate and self-accepting, and I can also be deeply accountable and conscious in the way I'm showing up here. Yeah, and a lot of that comes through community and coaching and getting the tools that you need, but allowing yourself to recognize that you are whole at all times even as you go through the journey of healing? I think so. And I think this recognition or self-reflection can be incredibly hard because if we have not been shown that, which many of us on the healing journey haven't, we haven't had our innate goodness and beauty reflected back to us. We have not been validated. So it can be very, very hard to do that for ourselves in an authentic way. And so being in community with people who reflect our wholeness and our goodness and our validity back to us is a really big piece. We learn through dynamic. We are reflective creatures in general, so we cannot do it on our own. Yeah. You talk a lot about the right and left parts of the brain and that when we're going through different traumas in life or, and I think that those could be big T or little T traumas, that what happens is those, talk to us about that. Is it that they're not communicating the right way with one another, but that when you do somatic work, 
you're really taking the body and teaching it, reteaching it how to communicate with the brain. When we experience something that's too much that we can, we don't have the capacity to metabolize in that moment, which is the case when we're going through very difficult or traumatic experiences, our, our body and our brain are very wonderful at protecting us. So what happens is the right brain, which is connected to our somatic felt emotional experience, hides the content, the traumatic content, so that the left brain can allow us to continue on and, and keep surviving and going on with life and creating and doing and being. And so what happens if we don't take time to, to go in and heal is that a functional split occurs between the left and the right brain. So they stop communicating. So the right brain buries all of our content and it shows up as sensations, emotions and relating patterns. And the left brain stays in this very cognitive, rational place. So we walk around either completely oriented to our head or completely dissociated altogether. And what somatic work is really helpful for is learning to tune in to the right brain, which is connected to the body and the felt somatic experiences and developing um, or opening new pathways of communication between the right and the left brain. So I talk a lot about when I teach the concept of emotional somatic. So our somatic experience exists across two layers, in my opinion. So one is our physical somatic experience, which pertains to sensations. So movement, heat, cool, direction, up, down, sideways, texture, taste, smell, all of these are our physical somatic experience. Then there is our emotional somatic experience, which is actually a left brain response to our right brain. So our emotional somatic experience links to the emotions or experiences or memories that are connected to those sensationary experiences. And so as we explore through the lens of somatics, we learn how to re-relink those two layers so we can both experience here in the body and the present and make meaning in a far greater context, both from the present and the past. Okay, now this is where I think it gets really, really fascinating because I teach people around the world how to open up to their intuition, mediumship abilities, psychic abilities, tuning into bringing through angel messages, channeling and such. And what spirit has been talking about is that, you know, you have the four clairs or there's more than four clairs, clear hearing, clear seeing, clear, clear feeling, clear knowing. But if a person is and you can get messages, right? Like you can get messages through your conscious awareness. And I believe that everybody has all of the four clairs. They just use them to varying different degrees. But what I found is that for me, because I did have so much trauma as a child, the clear knowing, the clear hearing, the clear seeing was really what I developed first as a healer to be able to bring through messages. The clear feeling came in later or my awareness of it because as I healed and I felt more safe within my physical body, the more I was able to pay attention to the receptors within my body and use that. But what spirit has been saying, and I love your opinion on this, is that trusting your physical body, you know, trusting yourself is you learning how to develop your intuition. That's it's the same thing. Two sides of the same coin. I, I agree with you. I think 
When we experience trauma, there's two important things that happen that connect into this conversation. One is that we dissociate. So we check out and we leave our body. So either we're living here in the mind or we're living completely outside the body. And if we're not rooted in our own body, we're not going to be able to tune into sensations of either safety or threat um, or intuition. Um, we're just not there. So number one is we have to make it safe to come back to the body. And as we heal and we and we do that, we will then be able to tune in to these, these sensations that, that are messages. They're all messages. It's all just information. Everything's information. Uh, another piece that's really important is often when we have unresolved trauma or when we've kind of grown and developed from an origin of trauma. So if we have developmental trauma, uh, which many of us in our generation do, what happens is that our it's like our wires get crossed. So what we might label as intuition is actually threat. And so a really big piece of the healing journey is learning to know, is this my intuition or is this a threat response? And I think this is such an important piece because so many people make decisions thinking that it's their intuition speaking when actually it's a protective mechanism speaking. And to me, this is a life's work to tune into those impulses because intuition is all about an impulse, to tune into the impulse and to get curious and question, is this a pure intuition? Is this is this connected to my higher self or is this some diffuse, complex protective mechanism and often the answer is actually it's a protective a protective mechanism so to be able to bring in a very deep and gentle inquiry around our impulse and around our intuition is very important to get into that pure place where we are moving from 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 a, a directly intuitive place can you give people some examples? Because I think you're spot on, but I think it'll help people kind of absorb this and maybe pull this into their lives. If they have a couple of examples of what would really be a threat and not their intuition. So sometimes we'll get like a, a, a strong no, no response. No, I don't want to be with that person. I don't want to take this opportunity. No. And usually it's coming from a protective mechanism. Usually we're afraid of something to do with that person or that circumstance. And so when we feel that initial no or repulsion, we can actually pause and get curious, like why am I having this strong response? Often when we're having a strong or a charged response, it's an indication that there is some level of activation or threat at play. On the flip side, we might have a tendency to these really intense yeses, yes, I'm gonna do that 100% in <clears throat> very quickly. And sometimes that's our nervous system orienting to risk or to danger or to experiences or people that might not be very good for us. And if we have had a lot of threat uh, and particularly threatening dynamics in the past, it will be common that we feel this strong chemistry or pull towards um, people and places that are not good for us. And we just think we're following our gut instinct, but we have to inquire, is this like intuition or is this a learned pattern to orient towards danger or exclusion or rejection. So really taking that pause during this phase of healing helps us to almost recalibrate what we know as safe and what we know as dangerous. And I, my belief is that when we're totally connected to our intuition, there's no intensity related with it. It's calm, it's peaceful, it's pure, it's not urgent. 
And so when we feel urgent or adamant, to me, it's a sign that there's something to sort through. Friends, we'll get right back to the episode here in a second, but here's what I wanted you to know. Spirit has been channeling in this message of we need to be building communities, spiritual communities around the world where people can get together in person more. And so um, I had a period of a couple of weeks where Spirit was just waking me up in the middle of the night, waking me up, and I began toying with these different ideas of how we can do this. And I think we put together uh, a really amazing concept of how we can build communities around the world. I am looking for volunteers. If you want to build out a community in your area, we're going to be bringing together a group of volunteers who's going to be building a community in their area. And if this is something that you're interested in, and we need people to help in different ways with um, marketing, actually running a group in their community, and it's not as much work as you would think it would be, maybe a couple hours a week. If this is something that you're interested in, I want you to raise your hand by emailing me over at juliejancis at gmail.com. That's Julie. Jancis at gmail.com. The email address is in the show notes below. Friends, I know that together we can build something very, very special. And uh, I can't wait for you to join in, hear about it, and help with this ginormous, amazing, miraculous volunteer project. I think we're going to be putting together an amazing network of souls and not trying to sell anything, just really bringing people together in community. This is just really on my heart right now. Um, So if you want to help, reach out. We'd love to have you as a volunteer. We'd love to help you set up a community in your area. The other thing I just want to say is thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much to everybody who has joined the Angel Membership, who has booked a session, who's getting certified in the Angel Reiki School. Thank you so much for just supporting the work that we do here. You make this podcast possible and you make it possible for us to do so much great work within the world. And I'm just really, really proud of this community because you have no idea, and I'll talk about it in a future episode, but we are helping the world in many, many different ways. Um, You can also join us over on the free Facebook group, the Angels and Awakening Podcast Tribe on Facebook, where you can learn all about new stuff that we have always going on. Friends, I love you so much. Here we go back into the episode. When is, because there are times that come up especially for women within their lives where they're learning boundaries, they're learning how to heal. And there are people who keep pushing those boundaries or will not abide by those boundaries. When is it acceptable to say, I've done what I can do here. This person isn't a safe person for me. And the boundary that I need to hold is if they're not going to abide by my boundaries, then I cannot have this person in my life. I think this is such a complicated question because there's no one size fits all answer. 
So let's take the example of someone in a disrespectful or perhaps mildly abusive dynamic, because this would be a really common thing all around the world. So the woman is beginning to heal. She's beginning to see that this is not okay and that she doesn't want this anymore. And she's trying to gently uh, express her boundaries. And of course, somebody that's been benefiting from our lack of boundaries is not going to like it when we start to claim our space and our power and say no or ask for more, all of these things are part of it. And sometimes the person will get a little bit upset, but then they'll get on board and there's a bit of a dance to re reestablish a new status quo within a dynamic. But sometimes the person really isn't going to offer that level of respect or care. And life is complicated. So ideally, the woman would have enough capacity and resources to say, see you later, I'm not up for this anymore. But the sad truth is that's often not the case. So often there's a, a codependence in the relationship. And perhaps to leave at that point would cause more harm than good. And so something that I explore with my clients, and, and I think it's really important when it comes to being an embodied practitioner or facilitator, is not to push our agenda on our clients. And rather than focus on helping them leave or exit, it's actually about helping them connect to the intuition, to understand what is okay and not okay, to be making empowered choices and building capacity. So when someone builds capacity for their experience and their aliveness, their ability to tolerate difficult things and make choices that have consequences, there'll usually be a point later on where they do feel empowered to stand up and say no and leave. But I think it's really important to explore, well, what are the consequences of me saying no and walking away? And do I have enough resources and enough capacity to be with that? So I think it's such a complicated journey. Yeah, for sure. You talk a lot too about self-abandonment. And I like that you bring up different terms. You know, you use a lot of terms that um, other people don't use. And I think that that's such a gift to the world in and of itself, because we all say the same things over and over on repeat. And Spirit says when we say the same things over and over again, like the saying, you are worthy, it loses its meaning and we don't understand it vibrationally as well as when you say things kind of from a, a fresh perspective. So self-abandonment, talk to us about this and how we can stay true to ourselves. I believe self-abandonment is the disease of our generation. We've learned that in order to survive and belong, which are our two fundamental imperatives, we have to give up certain things. We have to keep the peace. We have to let go of our boundaries or our needs or our desires. Um, so we will always seek to feel safe and we will always seek to belong. And I guess we've learned that in order to do that, we need to pack parts of ourselves away and, and give up on, on some of the things that we wish for. And I think a really big piece of healing is learning to put boundaries before belonging uh, and to build safety that is not dependent on lack or deprivation. And I think this is the work of our generation and that if we can do that, we become what I, what I call a transformative generation where our children and our children's children will no longer to live in these ways 
where they're tying themselves in knot and self-abandoning and denying who they really are or what they really want. And it seems to me too, like when you stay true to yourself, you're really following that inner voice, that inner wisdom, that intuition. And what's so fascinating to me, the studies of heart math, where they show that the body really does know first, when it comes to your intuition, it appears scientifically like the body is the very first source of intuitional response within you. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about that. What have you seen scientifically too? Our nervous system is the governing system of our experience. So it experiences first. We have thousands and thousands of tiny little neuroceptors and they're picking up information all the time. I'm sure you've heard um, the saying, your energy speaks before you do. So we are feeling, we are both um, picking up information and giving off information in a very physiological, neurophysiological way first. And what happens is our nervous system picks up all of these thousands of pieces of information called qualia, and they send them up to the brain for integrated processing. And that's where we begin to pattern match and make meaning and then send information back through the body uh, and through our psyche to then respond. And so it's really important we learn to tune into, well, what is my nervous system experiencing and how is it making sense? And the way that we make sense, uh, which will then inform the way we either respond or react is based on what we've learned in the past. So we can retrain it as well. Interesting. When it comes to belonging, because you talk a lot about this as well, and I think that's another word that people just don't use, but it, it gives like such a deep vibration that you can really feel belonging, a real sense of safety and security for people who haven't had that belonging. It's one of the biggest things that I hear people saying, I felt different. I felt, you know, not like I fit in all throughout my childhood and young adulthood. Where do people start to feel that belonging again? How do you heal back into belonging? I think belonging is both an internal process and a relational dynamic process. So there are two pieces. So when we've gone through trauma, it's really common to feel like we don't belong in our family, in our friendship circles, in the world, in our body, inside ourselves. And that's because no one ever showed us how to belong. We weren't treated as if we belonged or we were told you have to be a certain way in order to belong. And so it's really common that later in life we might have all these friendships or relationships, but we still feel different or outside or like we can't connect. And so to heal and to feel a sense of belonging, we need to learn to cultivate vulnerable, authentic relationships with other people where we show our true selves. And that's really, really scary because we're at risk of rejection or harm when we do that. But similarly, we need to learn to look after ourselves and to tune in to all the parts of ourselves that we've been packing away in order to belong and invite them into our own compassionate care. And the journey of parts work or exploring fragmentation is a really big piece of that because we tend to deny certain aspects of ourselves either really consciously or there are these pieces that are buried into such the deep deep deepest unconscious inside us that we actually need to go in and explore and unearth them 
And that will only come through over time. So it is quite a long, complex journey to, to feel like I belong inside my body, I belong inside these relationships, and I belong inside the world at large. Ooh, okay, let's break this down deeper because there's a lot here. Belonging inside your body, where do you start with that? Because I think that there are so many people, especially in America, who lived through all of the magazine covers that we had over here in the 90s and the 2000s, where we really kind of disassociated from our physical bodies. Well, we were told that our bodies are bad, wrong and shameful, not good enough. And many of us were shown that they're not a safe place to be. So if we were um, harmed or abused physically, we've been shown the body's not a safe place. And all of the messaging through media um, and society has told us your body's not good enough. You know, you better diet or get plastic surgery or dye your hair or all of these things. And so the first step to belonging to the body is to associate to the body. And so, again, that's why somatic work can be super helpful. Um, so you can start with things such as body scans and really getting used to the body. You can also start with gentle practices around caring for the body. So, for example, to some of my women clients, I'll ask them to gently massage their body with moisturizer every night. And it's so interesting that that can feel so distressing to begin with. I don't want to touch my body or care for my body. I hate my body. Um, and so I often ask my clients to challenge that gently because that, that self-hatred or self-shaming that we, we are offering to our body perpetuates that cycle where we don't belong here, where we're self-abandoning and not looking after ourselves. So what is it like to, to, gently, to gently be with and care for our body? And when we meet ourselves in this way, it will always, if we have this level of unresolved trauma, bring up shame um, to process and be with. And when we have unresolved trauma, we are often riddled with shame and we need to meet it. We need to look at it and we need to let it go and actually learn to say, no, like I'm going to start looking after this body, this temple that has carried me through my whole life. And when we can connect to our body with that level of, I guess, recognition and validation and gratitude, things begin to shift slowly. But it's a journey. Which is really, really fascinating because there's so many different layers of healing to peel back. And my husband and I went through marriage therapy eight, nine years ago, and we went through it for a very long time. And as we were going through it, we knew that we were right for one another. We were committed to our relationship, but it was a lot of work to peel back layers with one another. And it was a very long process to learn how to communicate well with one another and not bring shame into it. And immediately when you start talking about, you know, like, well, you just give yourself the homework of, of you know, um, lotioning yourself up every night and just touching your body that immediately triggered like this no you know like that feels uncomfortable that doesn't mm -hmm. and so obviously there's something there and and would you say somatic work is kind of like counseling or therapy in a way where it is this process of peeling back layers and it doesn't always feel comfortable but Where's the commitment in there? I guess you really have to have this strong commitment to yourself because my commitment in doing the marriage work was like, 
we have to get on track because we're not in a good place and and we have to be better for our child and for one another and just to live better lives and is that the commitment that we need to bring into somatic healing work as well like i am worthy of this i am committed to myself yeah i think there's got to be a decision a choice a boundary intention that says i don't want to show up in the world for one more day where i'm hating on myself or hurting myself or denying myself and you know it's so much easier to do it for someone else to do it for our partner to do it for our kid but to come back and say I deserve to create a life for myself where I feel celebrated and welcome and expressed and alive. Again, we have to come back to this layer of shame that says, "Uh uh-uh, I don't deserve that. Why would I do that? I'm a piece of, you know, I want to swear, but I'm not going to swear on your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, um, but we treat ourselves so awfully. We can be love and light for other people. And then when we try to turn the spotlight on ourselves, we so often turn it off. Um, We're so much harder on ourselves. If you think about the way you speak to yourself, it's often you'd never speak like that to someone else. Mm -hmm. And so I I talk in the book about the inherited voice, I call it. So that shaming voice, that self-hating or self-loathing voice, it's not innate in us. It's not part of who we are. It's something that we've learned, and I believe it's an amalgamation of all of the voices in our life that have shamed us before and and they travel through generations and all of this conditioning through social media and commerce and capitalism that tells us we have to be perfect and this unattainable version of ourselves in order to be accepted, validated and loved. And I feel like we need to set a boundary with that voice and catch it. I still catch it inside myself, even after all of the work I've done. It's still very strong and I have to meet and say, "Uh uh-uh, That is not how I'm going to be with myself. I'm not going to hurt myself in that way. And this is the work of self-compassion. And to me, it is eternal. Yeah. One of the other things that you said really hit home in my heart too, which was, um, and I'm going to preface this with, I do believe in astrology. If you read about different signs, I am a Capricorn to a T. And one of the things that they say about Capricorn Capricorns is that they can look really aloof in social situations. So I've had people throughout my life um, feel like I wasn't interested in a friendship with them or wasn't, even though I'm looking at them smiling, nodding during like a conversation or social outing, there is something that comes through with Capricorns where we just look aloof a lot of times. And I'm very sensitive to that when I'm in social situations now, but I don't always feel like I belong. In fact, I would say most times when I'm in friend settings, I feel like everybody else maybe has a closer dynamic that I do. And I still feel like the oddball out. And I had never really even notice that within myself until you said that but belonging in relationships and and allowing yourself to feel welcomed in social situations where do you start with that too it's a really big piece i think the more we come home to our bodies and the more we meet our shame and there's layers and layers and layers of it that will rise through the journey and the more we work with our fragmented self and bringing our parts into our compassionate care Uh, the more 
easeful it is to show up in situations and not feel, it's like um, we can feel a glaze or a veil between us or other people, or we can feel a little bit awkward, or we can feel like, yeah, we're just not who we really are in the dynamic. And the more we come home to ourselves and the more we welcome our complexity uh, and, and love all these parts of ourselves, the less we feel disconnected externally. So remember before I said that belonging is both a relational process and an internal process. So the more we welcome our parts into our compassionate care, it will immediately transfer. We won't feel disconnected with others when we're not feeling disconnected with ourselves. Uh, and we won't feel um, apart if we're feeling close within ourselves. So we really need to bring it all back here. Another piece is to check on when we're healing, often there's a huge relational restructure going on. So as we come home to ourselves and as we integrate all of our parts, it's common that friendships that we've had in the past um, may not feel as resonant anymore. So it may not be that we're feeling disconnected it might be that I mean you would you would probably use the word frequency the yeah. frequencies changed and a, and a huge piece of healing is learning to acknowledge that and either accept it and and accept the disparity or the disconnect in a relationship or to begin to orient away and form other relationships where you do feel that that frequency match that connection that belonging yeah fascinating and I'm sure another piece of it too is something that you mentioned before, which is I could see where you said you have to be willing to be vulnerable and open up and talk to people about things that allow you to deepen that connection with them. Um, and so often I feel like maybe I hide parts of myself away. And I think more of that stems from working in certain careers where you're pulled aside and you're told you have to be on 24 7 anything that you do represents the company you can't make a misstep so you just got to stay inside the boundaries and so i've always kind of played that part yeah i think it's really difficult to show up vulnerably and complexly and it may be partly because we've been told you have to fit a certain mold and you have to portray a certain image but we also tend to do it for ourselves. And I think there's a piece in here around um, entering the role of healer or spiritual guide or therapist or any of these space-holding roles. We adopt uh, a persona. And when we're helping others, our role isn't about bringing all of our stuff you know we're holding space there's a clear dynamic and I think we need to learn to switch it off um, when we're connecting outside of a space holding dynamic and for many healers and therapists and guides it becomes so much part of them and it also can be an unconscious protective mechanism because if I'm in space holding mode I'm not sharing myself authentically I'm there to support another person and it can feel far safer to be in a mode where you have this, you know, costume on or, or you're, you're adopting a role. And I think for all of us in these spaces, we need to learn to step out of it, step out of it with our peers, our friends, our partners. We can't be the space holder all of the time. That and I would add to that, too. I just heard Jay Shetty say, and I've heard this before um, other places, but that 
we're not our perceptions of ourselves. We're not other people's perceptions of us. We're our, we're what we think other people perceive us to be. And it's, it's interesting because I have been out in so many different social situations since coming into my gifts where people want you to be on and and giving them readings you know at the party and you're like no just here to have some fun and and they'll feel like well why can't you do both at the same time and it's to your point of what you just said like you need space to be you and to just be and to have fun and to cut loose and you need time to practice and do your work I think um, this comes back to the boundaries conversation yeah. and to be able to say in a beautiful, gentle way, hey, I'm, I'm not in work mode right now. I'm in, you know, human mode. Also, if you want a session, you're going to have to pay for it. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a strength that's required to be able to like not get triggered by it, not feel like going to self-abandoning mode and do it anyway and say, Hey, like I'm all about that, but right now I'm not working, you know. And if you if you want to, you know, if you want a session with me, chat to my assistant or book online or or however the process is. And I think to get to the place where that's just a supernatural flowy thing, which it is for me, is very liberating because we do want to cast each other into roles. It's normal. I don't think it's malicious or bad in any way. That's how we process. That's how our psyche processes. We want to project. Um, ideals uh, onto people and put them in boxes and categorize. That's how we make sense of people. But I think a big piece of spiritual work is noticing when we do that um, or when other people are doing it to us. And again, setting that boundary and being like, okay, that's how I want to make sense. Now let me stand back and get curious um, about who this person really is, you know, and that's how we belong is when we stop projecting onto people and just meet in the present and be curious about who is this person and how do I feel in the presence of this person and where are the unique boundaries that I need to create here and where are the unique points of resonance, which parts of this dynamic in this person do I lean into? And I think it needs to be a very conscious process or we will always be casting roles for each other and we tend to make people either perpetrators or heroes. And I think noticing that is something really important that shifts the way we relate and, again, helps us to all belong to each other. In the end, we don't want to be in a fictional storybook where everyone has a role. We want to learn to relate with each other. Amazing. I want to go back to something else that you said, too, because you were talking about how we really care for ourselves. And we've looked at that, I feel like, a lot in the earlier years of the podcast of how you look at that voice within that's talking negatively to yourself and you stop it and you care for yourself instead. When you talk about the fragmented parts of yourself though, and really learning how to work with the fragmented parts, what do you mean? And what are some of the steps people can take to start working with those pieces? The first is to acknowledge that we are all fragmented. So trauma or no trauma, we are all complex and we all have different parts of ourselves that have different preferences, desires, needs, triggers. And so that just is for all of us. In the context of trauma, we have what I call trauma-born fragmentation, which is just take the example of a little child that's being abused. 
it's not safe for them to speak up and set a boundary. So they pack that part away. It's not safe to ask to have their needs met, to be cuddled or cared for. So they pack that part of themselves away. It's not safe to run and protect or have a breakdown. They have to survive, so they pack it away. And what happens, particularly when when we're going through this when we're little, is all of those packed away parts get suppressed and we create what I call the external shell, which is a version of ourselves that feels safe from which to interface with the world. And so when we're operating from this external shell, this persona or character, it's really hard to feel deeply connected. And so number one is to understand, oh, there are parts of me that are not expressed or that are not not welcome into the fold of the way I'm connecting in the world. Uh, The second is to tune into those parts and begin to listen to their stories. Um, And this process will happen over time. And it may be that to begin with, there's only one or two parts of ourselves available. But if we have complex trauma, which many of us do, there might be many, many, many. And so what we can do is learn to ask, what is this part of me? And many of us have voices in our heads. We just never talk about it. The voice that says, oh, you're bad, you shouldn't do that, or come on, go on, do it, you can do it. These are parts. And so we can start by tuning into those voices and inquiring what what part of me are you, you know? And we can begin to ask, "What what are your needs? What are the thoughts that you're having? What are the sensations that you feel? What age did you emerge? And so something that's really common is these parts will fragment and separate um, at certain ages in our life. So some of my clients actually call their parts by numbers, by age. So this is this is four or this is 24 or this is 12. So something's happened dynamically and in the past to cause this fragmentation. So what happened? We want to understand um, what were the emotions that were unexpressed and what were the needs that went unmet at that time? And once we understand this, then we need to learn, well, how can I meet you, this part of me, and give you what I need in a way that is also appropriate here and now in the present. So there's a piece around getting the needs met and listening to the stories, but there's also often a piece, again, about boundaries. So what happens when we have suppressed fragments is that sometimes they'll hijack our experience and they will lead us to make decisions or choices or express in ways that either are really not good for us or are really not good for other people. And so while we're wanting to tune into their stories and care for them, we're also wanting to set these firm boundaries that say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to let you take me into those difficult situations or I'm not going to let you disrespect me in that way um, or I'm not going to let you disrespect someone else. So, again, there's that um, requirement for both this compassion and care and space holding but also that boundary setting uh, and accountability piece. So they're both required for us to become integrated. So if these parts of us are fragmented when we're a child, not only did they not get their needs met but no one taught them boundaries uh, and limits and respect and all these things. And so this, in essence, is a process called reparenting, where we tune into the parts of ourselves that didn't have the care and guidance that they needed early on, and we provide that. Is it possible to get in touch with all of the different parts of ourselves? Or is it that we are journeying through life, constantly evolving, growing, and that as we grow, there are always new pieces of us that are going to come in to the picture. 
I don't think there's a, a finite answer to that. I think when it comes to getting in touch with trauma-born fragments, I believe we can get in touch with all of them. But I also believe that we are evolutionary and that we are always evolving and developing. And my belief is that sort of the whole point of this kind of healing work is to be able to bring all of those parts that kind of got buried and left behind into our compassionate care so they can catch up. So when you connect with a fragment, often that part of us is frozen back in time. And when we start communing with it, it will go through a growing up process, an evolutionary process. And so there might be a space where we're making space for that four-year-old that wants to have a tantrum, or we're making a space for the young woman who never got to date and celebrate and have this playful time in her 20s. That's been a big part for me. When we give them a space to catch up, what happens is integration. And to me, that's the goal where we feel like we are welcoming all of those parts. They've all caught up and had their experiences. And now we can move as one cohesive yet complex human. So there's no longer this disconnect or discord inside us. And when we get to this place, then we move into, into a very evolutionary flow-like graceful existence. That's my experience anyway. It's incredible. I had this beautiful vision while you were talking earlier of you know, our souls being this blank slate where your soul is this energy of I am, it's just presence, it's just beingness. And then coming here and living through existence, we're, we're taking on these different parts of ourselves, our humanness part of ourselves, and that there's all of these different versions of us all wrapped up into one body to your point before the four-year-old version of us the 12-year-old version the 22-year-old version and now they're all coexisting in my 41-year-old self and how do we do that as healthy as possible yeah i think that's such a beautiful vision and it's a complex journey and all we can do is to continue to meet ourselves with great self-compassion and also a call to accountability to say this is what I wish to create is a version of myself where I feel personally inclusive and expressed. Yeah, amazing. So Natalia, would you mind leading us in a exercise maybe to help us feel like we belong inside our bodies? Absolutely. So to begin with, I'll invite you to look around the space you're in, the room, and orient between the walls, the four walls, and also the floor and the ceiling. So just find your space within the physical place you're in. And if your feet are on the floor, be aware of your feet. And if you're sitting in a chair, be aware of where you are making contact with the chair, uh, both your seat and if your back is touching the chair. And if you haven't already done so, you can now turn inward by closing your eyes or adopting a downward gaze and take a nice breath in, just turning inwards. And take a few more lovely deepened breaths now belonging with your breath, noticing its qualities, its length, its texture, 
how far it expands or travels through the body. And just letting yourself sink a little deeper into your experience of connecting to your breath in the physical space you're in. Next, I invite you to become aware of your feet and your toes. And you might like to give your toes a little wiggle or articulate your feet on the floor, in the air, wherever they are, connecting to their gentle movement. These feet that have carried you through life, just acknowledging that, how many steps they may have taken and how many steps they have yet to take. And notice what that acknowledgement or validation does to your breath. Does it deepen? Does it slow? Notice if your hips are able to sink a little deeper into your seat. Next, I invite you to bring attention to your hands, your fingers, all 10 of them. And you may like to give your fingers a wiggle or open and close your palms a few times. See what it's like to bring your breath to your palms and your fingers, breathe into them. Acknowledging all the times you have lifted, carried, held or connected with these hands and how much more giving and holding they have to do. And take a few more breaths in there, again noticing if there are any changes as you validate your hands and all they've done and all they've yet to do. And you may like to bring your palms together, gently exploring each one with the other. And you might circle your palms or stroke the length of your entire hand, the palm and the fingers. You might explore the backs of your hands. What is it like to allow them to commune? Good. And just notice as you engage with this very gentle practice, if there is any emotion or thoughts that are rising for you, meeting them lovingly and welcoming them into your compassionate care. Yeah. Knowing it's okay, <laughs> it's okay to have an emotion, it's okay to cry, it's okay to have a little shake. And if you are having an experience, you might like to bring your arms around your chest into a beautiful hug position. That's right. Good. Yeah, it's okay. I'm taking a few lovely breaths, being with what's there. Knowing that there is so much to validate and to acknowledge always. 
and that as we meet ourselves here in this way, we begin to belong to our body, to all it's done for us, all it's carried us through, all its gifts, all its pain. And perhaps knowing that this practice is something to return to again and again in ways that are gentle and safe, in ways where we can integrate that sense of belonging and validation over and over and over again so it becomes a way of life and a feeling, a state to return to again and again. Take a few breaths in here with your arms still across your chest if they are. Just thanking yourself for meeting yourself in this very gentle, caring way, developing this new deepened relationship with your beautiful body. And allow your breath to deepen a little. Allow your jaw to relax, your hips to relax. Again, feel your feet on the floor, articulate them, wiggle your toes. And if you wish, you can bring your hands down and again open and close your palms or give them a wiggle. Take a few more breaths, being aware of your seat. Connecting again to the room around you, the space that's been holding you. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes complete. Ooh, I don't know who's watching on YouTube and who's um, at home listening, but oh, I was like sobbing through like the last half of that. I felt so much. I felt so much love and I felt so much um, holding of my daughter like in the past when she was an itty bitty baby. She's 11 now and felt just so much love and gratitude for this life felt a lot of my grandma's energy and her holding me and um my grand uh, my mom throughout the years especially when i was touching my hands that scene from the movie beaches touched me when i was a little girl and my mom's still here but i always thought to myself you know when she leaves i have her hands and uh i could feel that when I was touching my hands. Whew, so much, so much emotion. That was just so beautiful. I felt so connected. Thank you so much for leading us and guiding us through that. My pleasure. I think when we bring such reverence to our body and all that's done for us, our, our relationship with it just begins to change. And so, yeah, thank you for, for being vulnerable and engaging with it so, so openly. Thank you. To everybody listening, Natalia is just this beautiful energy within the world that I think, as you could tell today, is just above her um, more advanced than the time. And I think that there are certain souls that are called here to earth who are this advanced in order to help lead the rest of us forward in this way. And so, um, Natalia, I would love for you to share your Instagram handle, your website, um, your book, where everybody can find you. Thank you so much for having me and the kind words and support of my work. I'm very grateful. So you can find me at nataliarachel.com. 
um, or on Instagram at Natalia underscore Rachel underscore change. And I'm also very active on LinkedIn every day. And my book is available on Amazon globally. It's called Why Am I Like This? Illuminating the Traumatized Self. And it covers basically the whole healing journey. And every chapter there is some self-inquiry questions and a somatic practice, a gentle one, just like we explored today to engage in on your healing journey. Thank you so much for being here. I just want you to know, too, I think it's your voice, too. Some people say this, that your voice carries vibration and healing within it as well. And you have one of those voices. Oh, thank you so much. I'm a little bit croaky today, but I'm, I'm glad that you can connect with it anyway. You're thank perfect. you. Perfect. Yes. Thank you, everybody, for listening and being here. We're sending you all our love. Beautiful soul, thank you so much for joining me today. My name's Julie. You know I'm all about connecting you with messages from your angels and loved ones on the other side. If you've been listening today and you're super excited and just have to know which angels are around you right now, who's connecting with you, and what messages they have for you, go to theangelmedium.com. Register for a session. You can do a reading with me or a member of my team. We're all incredible. We all talk to angels daily, and we can help you in making sure that your angels are doing the very best they can to support you and guide you to your best life. If this sounds like you, virtual sessions, they're only offered on my website. Sign up today. And if you're the person who's really excited, you're ready to go all in developing all of your unique spiritual gifts, growing your intuition, starting your own healing business, you can sign up for my Angel Reiki School to become a certified angel messenger. That's for the healers among us who feel called to grow their intuition to the max and serve humanity with their gifts. You'll learn Reiki, mediumship, how to deliver angel messages, and how to get clients. That's the Angel Reiki School at theangelmedium.com or DM me on Instagram at Angel Podcast with any questions. Before you go, connect with your angels by placing your hands on your heart. Take a deep breath. Imagine a doorway filled with God's unconditional love is right in front of you. Step into that love and feel it as it fills your body, chakras, and auric field. Now ask your angels, what would you have me know today? And open yourself to the positive, loving messages they have just for you. <laughs> 